0: Good afternoon, friends, and welcome to a Thursday edition of Bill Allen's Facebook Live Studies. If you're watching live on my website, on my Facebook page, that is terrific. Welcome. Glad to have you. If you're watching a little bit later on my site or on the church, uh, one of the church Facebook pages, West Irwin Live is the one that shows these or uh, West Irwin Church of Christ. Both of those Facebook pages will show uh, these studies a little bit after the fact our website at westerwin.com that's west erwin with an e r w i n is uh, uh shows these as well after a while and also our uh, sunday worship services under the connect tab and then you go to the live streaming page and you look up the archive Sermon Video Archives and that's where that is. Hello to my cousin Gail. Nice to see you. Always great to have Gail and Keith Allen with us and others as well. Um, Today we're looking in the Psalms. That's what we do on Thursdays. And today's Psalm is a a really great one. I know people laugh at me because I say, this is one of my favorite passages. This is one of my favorite books. Well, actually the Psalms is one of my favorite books, as is Job that I'm covering on Sunday mornings right now. I hope you're able to watch those. Uh, Again, you can go to our website and uh, and click on those and see those. I just started those this month and that'll be a, a two-month series, finish up at the end of July. But uh, Job is a great study, Psalms is a great study, one of my favorite books, again. Probably my favorite book, The Book of John. And then the next three kind of come together. Uh, you've got Job and Psalms and Romans and I like the, all three of those about the same. I uh, I li- I love them a lot. Uh, so anyway, we're studying Job on Sunday mornings, but this psalm, Psalm 73, is very similar to the uh, <laughs> the point of Job, which is, will a person serve God uh, for nothing? Will a person serve God if life doesn't really make sense? And uh, when life doesn't make sense, there's usually something going on in the person's life that is not good, <laughs> and that's what's happening with the psalmist. A lot of the Psalms, as we have seen, this will be the 73rd one we've covered this year uh, as we go through this daily devotional book by Timothy Keller on the Psalms, the Songs of Jesus. Many of the Psalms uh, deal with that. They uh, honest strugglers who are speaking from the heart honestly uh, to God, and they uh, share uh, the things they like, and they praise Him for all of His wonderful power, His creation, his love, all of those things, but when uh, the psalmist has something honest that they want to share with with God, they just they just do it, and uh, I think that's a, a wonderful wonderful thing. So, uh, as we get into this psalm, hello to my friends Eric and Cindy Mosley. Glad to see you all signed in as well. Love having folks, uh, whether you sign in or not, tell me or not, that's okay. I just keep doing these, and we do get uh, quite a few views, about 100 or so each time, which is a a blessing. It's very humbling for me, and I'm I'm just going to keep doing them. So, you guys, uh, hopefully, will be able to take in... Uh, some of them. And so as we consider this psalm, Psalm 73, um, it starts out this way, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And there it is. The wicked are supposed to suffer, right? The righteous are supposed to prosper. But the psalmist says, you know, God is good to Israel, so let's acknowledge that. The psalmist isn't completely giving up on God, nor does Job, by the way. Um, But he doesn't get how things are going. and, And the psalmist doesn't get what's going on. In fact, the psalmist says, as for me, I nearly lost it. I nearly did because I looked around, and I saw I was struggling, and, and I saw the arrogant and the wicked, and they were just prospering left and right. He is in the grip of envy. He thinks more about the things that he should have, that others have, that he deserves more than they do. Uh, I'm glad we never feel that way, right? <laughs> I'm sure you do. I know I do, um, And uh, and so it's, it's not just that they get stuff that you would like, but it's God isn't dealing with people fairly. Specifically, he's not dealing with me fairly. So it's a it goes from envy and jealousy and questioning and doubt to really calling God unjust in how he's running the world. I always say that I've come to believe two things about God, and I won't tell you what they are yet. See if you can remember. Uh, But I'll share those again a little bit later in this study. Uh, It's a spiritual self-pity, as the Kellers call it, uh, which forgets that you are a sinner and you truly deserve nothing from God except for punishment. Um, And that's the question that Satan asks God in Job chapters 1 and 2, and that is, does Job serve God for nothing? You take away all of the blessings that you have given him so abundantly, and he'll curse you to your face. So... God lets Satan do that, and Job loses everything, but God puts limits on it each time. In chapter one, you can't touch him. In chapter two, you can take away his health and strike his body, but you can't kill him, which I always find ironic because when Job is lashing out at God, that's the one thing he asks for. Finish the job, he tells God, just go and take my life. Um, So it's it's really kind of interesting the way God uh, the way God does this. Unfortunately, when we focus on things like the psalmist has in the first part of this psalm and throughout, um, then we lose our joy, and and that's not good. So let's keep reading. Verse four of Psalm seventy-three. They have no struggles, speaking of the wicked. Uh, remember that they're prosperous. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts, another accusation, and it's actually probably true. From their callous hearts comes iniquity, a long word for sin. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They even imagined evil to do. Uh, Paul in Romans and in Ephesians and other places uh, speaks of that. Verse 8, they scoff and speak with malice, with arrogance. They threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. So the psalmist is upset because not only are they getting everything they want and everything the psalmist would like to have and things they don't deserve, they're very arrogant about it. Uh, they go right along, happy. You know, as we say, fat, dumb, and happy. No struggles, no human ills, no common human burdens. And that part's probably not very accurate. Uh, we have to decatastrophize a little bit. I think that's the psycho psychological term, if I remember it right, where you say something like, um, "You always forget my birthday," or "You never say anything nice to me." Well. Those are probably not 100% true. If we decatastrophize a little bit, then we might say, I can't believe you forgot my birthday this year, or I wish you would say nice things to me and about me more. That would be better. And so he might say they, they have few struggles. They They have less struggles than I do. That would be another way to say that, because we know that ultimately they are plagued by human ills, and the psalmist comes around by the way. Um, their hearts are callous, they scoff, they speak with malice and with arrogance uh, they threaten oppression. They, they just feel like there's nobody gonna do anything and he actually says that. Um, and it's interesting The Keller's write the psalmist's description of the elites of his day is almost timeless. I would take out the almost. <laughs> it, it is actually the truth. I mean we all feel that way, right? Uh, we all feel that way, that there are evil people that just get off scot-free and, they, and they, good things happen to them all along and yet, um, and that's what almost caused the, the psalmist's feet to slip because he, he's thinking, what's the use? And we think that way too sometimes, I think. What's the use? Again, the question, will you serve God even if it doesn't make sense the way you think it should make sense? That really is the question of the book of Job. It's kind of the question of this psalm. Uh, they don't need God. Uh, they don't feel like there's there's anything that God could do for them. They don't that they aren't doing for themselves, or they don't feel like there's anything that God would do to them to punish them. Um, and uh, one of the questions that the Kellers ask in this chapter: Why do we pray less when things in life are going better? Well, uh, I think of a book by Walter Brueggemann from years ago called The Land, where he talk, He kind of contrasts the Israelites in the wilderness wanderings versus when they cross the Jordan River under Joshua's leadership and take over the land. And they plant their own garden and they, they eat their own grapes and all of that instead of relying on the Lord 24-7 while they're 40 years in the wilderness. And his question, haunting question is, Will only the hungry listen? In other words, this is their question. Why do we pray less when things in life are going better? Uh, Why do we only listen when we're hungry? Why do we only heed God's word and study it and seek to obey it when we need him for the physical or emotional things of life? Well, certainly God wants us to cry out to him in those times, Psalm 50 makes that clear, specifically saying, uh, cry, Come to me in the day of trouble Call on me in the day of trouble God says Whether, whether you've called on him in years or not uh, Call on me God says But why do we do that Why, why don't we pray more uh, When things are going well I think Job kind of did that because he says the thing that I feared has come to pass. It, he makes that statement in one of his in uh, in uh, the book of Job, and I think what he's saying there is, I was always afraid that the other shoe would fall. I was always afraid that all these wonderful things that I have would be taken away one day. and uh, and so i I think I think it's a natural human thing. I don't want us to beat ourselves up over it. But I think we can acknowledge it and say, you know, I think I'm going to pray more uh, even though I don't need anything from God. I'm going to pray about that. I'm going to thank God that things are going well. I'm going to praise him for being right there with me. And, and I'm going to ask him to give me the strength that when things aren't going so well that I will I will uh, continue to serve him. Uh, that is, um, That is, that's the important thing. Kellers make an interesting statement, Timothy and Kathy Keller, in this uh, chapter. If the have-nots ever overthrow the haves, they become the same. Again, will we'll only the hungry listen? Will we only pray when things aren't going well? If the have-nots ever overthrow the haves, then they become the haves. Um, and we pray that that won't happen. Well, this is a bit of a longer psalm than we've been covering, so let's keep going. Psalm 73, verse 10. Therefore their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. And and we understand that. We understand how the psalmist feels, don't we? Because if you've been in the church for a long time, if you've tried to be faithful, if you've tried to live a good life, and yet you you realize that a lot of your dreams haven't come true, you look around and you see people that don't share that faith, that don't really give God much attention at all, and yet they are doing great. They're healthy, they're prospering, uh, their kids are great, their jobs are great, their lives are great. And, um, and, and, and the psalmist says, you know, these wicked people there everything is going so well and so they say how would god know does the most high know anything because they're not always acting right they're wicked and so they're basically saying hey he doesn't he doesn't see the psalmist writes that they are free of care they go on amassing wealth they don't they they just don't care because they believe that no one's going to do anything and certainly not god and so the psalmist, you know, expresses that frustration that we feel sometime in verse 13. <clears throat> Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. This is just not worth it. You know, the great chapter, the resurrection chapter in 1 Corinthians 15. You know, Paul writes that whole chapter, I think, so that he can get to the end when he says this has not been in vain. Because the tomb is empty. Uh, the good things that I do and have done and continue to do. Uh, that this service to God is not in vain. Uh, the psalmist's obedience was not a way of pleasing God, but rather a means of getting God to please him. Again, well only the hungry listen? Well, if we're just you know, serving God so that he'll do stuff for us and give us stuff and, and protect us and all of that, rather than because he is God, the one true and living God and is worthy of our worship, then uh, chances are that's not the right motivation. And when that other shoe does fall, as it did with Job, maybe hopefully not as hard as it did with him, then our faith will struggle. Uh, we, we really will. Uh, I hope we're not telling God, I'll serve you only if, if uh, you take care of me. I'll serve you only if the news is good from the doctor. I'll serve you only if I can have that love of my life. I'll serve you only if you give me this great job that I've applied for, whatever it might be. Um, that's a very immature faith. And it's good that you're serving God and praying to him. But um, unfortunately, that's, that's, that's a more of a selfish faith uh, than anything else. Uh, We want to serve God because of who he is, Uh, not because of what he does for us, but because of what he's already done for us. He's given us salvation in Jesus Christ. Okay, so the psalmist is going to take a turn. In Psalm 73, beginning in verse 15, as he reflects on the first verses of this psalm and all about the wicked, and is this even worth it? He says in verse 15, if I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. He's talking to God, of course. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. I love this part of this of this chapter Psalm 73 this this verses 16 and 17 when I tried to understand this when I tried to make sense of it I, I just couldn't I, I, I couldn't it troubled me deeply he says literally till I entered the sanctuary of God then I understood then I understood that God would God God's got this he'll take care of all of this um, and I may not understand it I may not get it It may not ever make sense to me, but what does make sense to me is that it makes sense to God. And he's got his purpose and his plan, and that'll be okay, the psalmist says. When I entered the sanctuary of God, when I went to church, (laughs) when I went to worship, when I sat down there with my brothers and sisters to worship the one true and living God, once again, I was reminded, you know, he's got this, um, and he'll take care of me and ultimately I will spend eternity with him and the final destiny of the wicked will be uh, away from God. And I love that, I love that. If you're not going to church, that's one of the reasons why you need to because it puts things in perspective. It helps you to make sense of the senseless. It reminds you of who God is. I told you that I believe, I've come to believe two things about God and here they are. I believe there is a God and I believe that I'm not him. <laughs> and that's a very liberating thing, I can tell you, but it, but it also helps me when I, when I, I don't I can't make sense of things. I realize that there's someone that's wiser than me, smarter than me, knows more than me, has a greater purpose than I do, can see far into the future as well as into the past just as clear, and who is concerned not just about me, but about others as well. And not just about how I'm feeling right now, but my eternal destiny, what's best for me and for others so that we can live with him forever. That's the concern that God has and he sees what's needed for that better than I do. And so I will trust him with that. When I tried to understand all the wicked prospering and the righteous suffering, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. The psalmist gets his long-term perspective and that reminder when he goes to church, I hope that you're meeting with fellow believers. You need to. Perhaps you're only meeting online, but if you're doing that, that's good. If you can, get there in person because that's what church is supposed to be all about that fellowship, that encouragement that we receive from one another. That's why the writer of the book of Hebrews writes in that great chapter and in, in that great verse in chapter 10, don't forsake, don't neglect meeting together, as some are already in the habit of doing, even just a few decades after Christ had arisen. Uh, instead, uh, meet together regularly, encouraging one another, and especially as you see that day approaching more and more. Um, that's what we want. Uh, we want the things of this world to grow dim and the things of the eternal world, that presence with God, uh, to grow stronger. When, where do we get that perspective? Well, we get it from reading the word. We get it from praying. But really, where we get it is through both of those things in a commun- community environment, and that's called the church. body of Christ Psalm 73 verses 21 through 23 when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered I was senseless and ignorant I was a brute beast before you yet I am always with you you hold me by my right hand the psalmist committed to not being quite so arrogant and I uh, Job I don't know he was righteous in the eyes of God at the end of it, it, God tells his friends, you didn't deal with me honestly like my servant Job did. Go to him and ask him to pray for you. And they did, and he did, and God accepted his prayer. But Job somehow went too far because he repents. And God, when he lashes out at Job with all those questions, no answers, only questions. It's a, it's a statement to, to Job, a reminder, Job, I do exist, and, and I'm not you. And so it may not make sense. God tells uh, Habakkuk the same thing when he wondered why God would use the Babylonians, the ruthless, cruel, uh, pagan, arrogant Babylonians to discipline his people Israel. The less righteous to discipline, the more righteous. Didn't make sense to Habakkuk, and that's when God tells him, my righteous one will live by faith. Quoted a few times in the New Testament, but that's where it appears first. In Habakkuk 2 verse 4, Habakkuk, you're just going to have to trust me on this, God says. And again, there is a God and it, and Habakkuk, it's not you. It's not you. And so you're not going to get everything about how God works in the world. But can you be okay with that? Can you trust God enough that you'll continue to serve him even if you don't understand? Will you continue to serve him? Um even if it looks like there's nothing in it for you, except that closeness with God for eternity. That was Satan's question, not just to Job, but to all of us. Verse 24 of Psalm 73, You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. God will make it right. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. The psalmist has come to believe once again through that reminder he got when he went to church. Who who do I have in heaven but you? God, you're, you're everything to me. We used to sing a song back in the old Lackland Terrace Youth Group days. Uh, Joyce and I were reminded of that when uh, uh, Kelly led Sing and Be Happy this last Sunday morning. That was another one. Um, but one of the songs that we used to sing in devotionals in the youth group in the 70s in Lackland Terrace in San Antonio, that wonderful, wonderful church, wonderful, wonderful youth group, uh, was He Is My Everything. He Is My All. And the psalmist was reminded of that. Who do I have in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. When Satan challenged God over Job and said, does Job serve God for nothing? Take away all that and he'll curse you to your face. Job didn't do that. He was tempted to. His wife encouraged him to, his friends encouraged him to, but he never would. He didn't understand what was going on and he vented and he challenged God uh, very strongly. But he, I think, that is the point here, is that uh, you take away everything physical and emotional, in this life I still have the spiritual, and that's what I desire more than anything. As for me, the psalmist says, it is good to be near God. That's what matters more than anything. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge, no matter what. And then he says, I will tell of all your good deeds. We, we not only experience that and we go, we fight that battle of faith. The psalmist, very open, very honest, so I hope you are too. When things don't make sense, say that. Tell God that. Tell a trusted friend that. When they don't make sense, when God doesn't seem to be acting the way God should, and read his word and pray those honest prayers and go to church. That's where the psalmist was reminded of perspective eternal perspective. That's where the psalmist was reminded. I believe in God. I know he exists and I believe that I'm not him and I'm okay with that. Let's close with prayer. Father, we praise you as the eternal creator, sustainer of this world, the eternal judge, the great Savior. Father, we're thankful for all the ways you bless us even if you didn't give us another thing ever we've got so much more than we deserve. And especially, Father, the eternal salvation that comes through the blood of Christ, which we absolutely do not deserve, and yet you paid such a high price so that we could have it. So Father, help us to um, read your word, help us to pray those prayers, help us to get to church, help us to be around other believers so that when they're um, a little bit disgusted and frustrated, that we can be there for them and let them vent and and give them a hug and help them get through that. And Father, when when it doesn't make sense to us, help us, Father, not to give up on you, but to become closer to you. Help us, Father, not to quit going to church, but to go there even more and with great fervor, clinging to that faith, knowing, Father, that We have no one on heaven or earth but you. You are our everything. You are our all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hope and pray that you have a great uh, week. And I look forward to seeing you again uh, this coming uh, Tuesday. Hopefully I'll see you uh, on Sunday, either live or online online. Uh, afterwards uh, as we continue our study through the book of Job. God bless.